Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Online while I'm on my way. Hey, welcome to Grape Top Church Online. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove, and um, I'm so grateful for each of y'all being a part today. Um, we are continuing our series, The Salt and Light. And uh, today, specifically, we're going to be talking about unpacking the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go into a lot of depth of the Holy Spirit. And my, my heart today is for us to really get a good grasp on um, the, the role of the Holy Spirit, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're really going to unpack um, a lot of what the Holy Spirit is. And before we do that, um, I want to I share a quick story because we're going to first talk, uh, talk about the overlooked necessity of the Holy Spirit. And we often ignore important aspects of faith because we don't understand them. We often ignore important aspects of faith because we don't understand them. And what I would project is that in our, in our American church culture, we have really traded out um, edifying truth and scripture for a show. Uh, I don't know if it, uh, any of you guys saw um, during the week last week, there's, there's a pastor to, to portray a message that he was giving. He's talking about the scene uh, where Jesus healed a blind man by spitting on uh, on dirt and getting the mud and rubbing it in his eyes and wa- told him to go wash and he was healed. Well, there's a pastor uh, at a mega church that to really get the point across of what he was trying to preach, he called up somebody on stage. Now, bear in mind, the guy was his brother. Okay, so they have a, there's a relationship there. But to give an illustration for his message... He hawked a loogie into his hand. Like, I'm talking like, like, like nasty to where it was, it was in his hand and he, he was able to roll it because there's so much. He then rubbed it in his hands and rubbed it on his brother's face to portray this idea of what it was to spit, (laughs) um, for Jesus to spit. And there's a lot of backlash over it because the scene was so disgusting to where when I watched it online, I gagged. Like, I'm, like I change poopy diapers all day, okay? My kids have diarrhea and I can handle it. I was gagging looking at this video and, like, I didn't even want to show I was thinking about whether or not to show it, but I was like, no, that will be too gross. And the, the point that he was trying to make is that he was... He's trying to take the, script, the, the scripture and use it as an analogy of when God gives you vision, it can be ugly. And I just thought, man, that illustration seems so unnecessary. <laughs> and when he was talking about vision, he said, maybe um, you bought a, a new car in faith and God told you to give it back. And that was his idea of vision. And what was just really bothering to me was two things. One, I thought... That's not faith. That's a loan. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lien on your car. And, and God doesn't call us to act in faith in secular 
situations like that. That's just our own heart's desires. Walking in faith benefits the kingdom. And here he is getting this nasty demonstration talking about how faith is just benefiting you. The second thing that really bothered me, and he got a lot of, it was like made international news. And it, it left this stain on Christianity, especially Christian pastors, because, I mean, just think about what, what that looks like to the world. A pastor spitting in your face, rubbing it on, on live TV. And, I mean, the first thing I thought is, if your pastor is spitting in your face, you should go get a new pastor. You should go to a different church. That's just like for me, you know. But what, what I thought, it, I learned two lessons from that. Is one, I think a lot of times we as pastors are so detached from reality, from what people are really going through, what people are really dealing with in their faith. And I, I, I think two lessons that I hold on to myself is, if you're ever trying to give an illustration as a pastor, never make yourself out to be Jesus or God. That's like a good rule to hold on to. And number two, don't ever intentionally spit in somebody's face. It's just like two rules that I think we should live by. But the part that bothered me is that if he really, really felt like this was God speaking to him, like this was, this was a message to illustrate, why not have offered himself to be the one to get spat on? Why did he have to be the one to spit? And, and the point in saying all this is that we see stuff like this, this is like a really extreme example. When I listened to the message, it made no sense. I didn't feel my faith that if I was like, this is just nasty. And this is not, uh, this is, I have not learned anything about Jesus. All I've learned about is this idea of vision can be ugly. What does that even mean? What does that really articulate into someone's life? And in the same way, pastors and preachers have, have just been running over these ideas and these aspects of our faith without fully articulating what they mean. And we get these like broken pieces of different messages and different doctrines and try to piece them together and say, well, I think this is what that means. I think this is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. I think that this is right or this is wrong. And we don't really get a full grasp because we get so much more focused on preaching about secular things that don't benefit the kingdom instead of actually learning about God and the Holy Spirit. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And so... Talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm going, to, I'm going to give a lot of scripture today, and I've tried to do my best to, to make it understandable by the different spots and stories we're going to look through. They're color-coded to know that this is the same, uh, same chapter that I'm at. But we're, I want us to first look at why the Holy Spirit is necessary. I want us to look at scripture and understand that the Holy Spirit is extremely necessary for our lives and is even a seal of our salvation. And we're going to talk about what that really means instead of just saying that and not really understanding what it means. So first spot I want us to understand is the first place that we see the Holy Spirit baptism. And that's at Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
And tongues that look like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Now there were Jews residing. Oh, sorry. Now there were Jews residing in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, uh, Medes Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and the parts of Libya and Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty deeds of God. And they, were all, they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were jeering and saying they are full of sweet wine. So I want us to start here in this scripture to understand the first instance of what is portrayed as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to make it clear that by the end of today, we're going to have a, a very full, well-rounded understanding of what it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, and even understand what it is clearly to speak in tongues and uh, if, there, uh, if that is a seal or etc. So a belief is in some denominations, that speaking in tongues is a, is a, is a, is a sign of being baptized, a manifested sign of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some denominations believe that if you don't speak in tongues, then you don't really have the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that to be true, and I'll explain. What we see here is the first baptism of the Holy Spirit, and in this moment, we actually see two different types of quote-unquote tongues. One, which was giving the ability to speak in other earthly languages and could be understood by people that spoke that language, but not understood by the person speaking. Is, that's why they were all bewildered, because, they, uh, because of just their, their uh, ethnicity, it, it was clear that they weren't from those areas, but they were speaking other languages. Y'all follow? And now, we also see another type, which... One that seemed like mindless babble. Okay, that's, I think, the tongue that most people are familiar with. It, it seems like mindless babble to the point that some people assumed they were drunk. They, they only assumed that they were drunk because it didn't make any sense. The, the other languages made sense because they understood it. But then there's people that seem just like mindless babble. So the reason I'm wanting to point out this is to clearly understand these two, two types of tongues happening at the same place. And it does not say, uh, it is not saying here that this is a universal seal for, perpetually for, for generations to come. This is a moment at Pentecost, the very first time where thousands of people were gathered because they heard this, this incredibly loud noise that sounded like a jet plane going by. And they came to see... And God specifically caused them to have this manifestation to be assigned to all these people that, that were unbelievers gathered to see what was going on. And as they were all gathered because of all of the commotion, 
Peter stands up and gives this message that brings many to salvation. Okay, so there's a specific moment that really called for something so supernatural and so intense, right? Now, what people, uh, I remember having someone come to my door trying to convince, uh, they're a different denomination, and they're trying to convince me um, of different beliefs. And I remember telling them, when they were wanting me to reference Pentecost as the, the belief as, they, they, some people believe that that moment at Pentecost, every, the whole world was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's not individually. It's just the whole world. And so there's not a requirement or necessity for individuals to be baptized in the Holy Spirit afterwards because it was a once and for all thing. Similar to how Jesus died once and for all. Once you believe in him, you already have it. Well, I brought to them this scripture right now in Acts chapter 10. This is Cornelius, the first Gentile convert to Christianity. And it says in this moment, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message. All the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had also been poured out on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter responded, surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to stay for a few days. So the reason I want to share this passage is because we see this moment where these Gentiles, which means non-Jewish people, were baptized in the Holy Spirit the moment that they first believed. The moment that they first believed, meaning that no one had to lay hands on them they believed in that moment and they received it without even under. They, and at this point, they didn't even know there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. They received it almost automatically. And uh, this is also significant to note that they uh, they did not get water baptized first in order to be baptized in the spirit. OK, the Holy Spirit was a seal of salvation, not the act of water baptism. They were saved in the moment that they believed. The reason I'm emphasizing this is because there's different doctrines that would perpetuate the idea that water baptism is your seal of salvation and that if you believe in Christ but are not water baptized, then you're not really saved. Well, here, this, this verse would trump that because the seal of salvation was the Holy Spirit. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And it also shows that God is not that complicated. There's not a three-step process of salvation where you have to believe, then you have to get water baptized, and then you have to do this. And if you do it out of order, you're doing it wrong. We see, this, we see it really simple, and God doesn't make, keep a specific order for it to be done. And in this moment, they also start speaking in tongues, which I think is very important to note that the, when they were speaking in tongues, that was what was a sign for Peter and the other Jews that God had also called the Gentiles to salvation and wanted to give them the Holy Spirit as well. So again, we're seeing these moments where people are speaking in tongues where it was a seal of salvation for people to witness. It was, it was a, 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 this miraculous thing for non-believers to see in this moment. Like, what's going on? It was a, a moment for the Jews to be confirmed in their heart knowing that God had uh, accepted the Gentiles. Okay, so the tongues was a sign for them to know what God was doing. 
Now, this last, this last scripture is in uh, Paul's third missionary journey. And it, as, he, as he shows up, it says, Now it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, On the contrary, we had not even heard if there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on, upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Now, this is a very, very interesting passage because... It shows both the importance of water baptism and the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It differentiates between John's baptism of repentance and from being baptized in Jesus' name. To the, to the point where they were baptized, they were water baptized in repentance when John the Baptist was going around. And Paul says that baptism was a repentance. Now, a lot of us have been taught that water baptism is a symbol of repentance. When that's actually inaccurate. This scripture shows us that when, when we are baptized in Jesus' name, that's a completely different water baptism that of, than that of repentance. When we get water baptized in Jesus' name, we are identifying ourselves with Jesus as our Savior. When you go under the water, you're, you're literally signifying Jesus' death. And when you come out of the water, you're signifying his resurrection. And so it's, it's very important to note that there's a, dif a difference to the point Paul baptized them again. Now, it also shows this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here we see water, them being water baptized and then them being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Paul lays his hands on them and then they receive the Holy Spirit, which led to them speaking in tongues and prophesying. So I want us to, to really pay attention here because it means that some people, when they received the Holy Spirit, they started prophesying, meaning like they were like just having this abundance of like uh, glorification in their heart coming out of their mouth where they were speaking in language that they understood. And they were saying uh, like praises to God and uh, prophesying in their own language while other people were speaking in tongues. The, the point that I'm trying to make in showing these these very meaningful passages is that it that it shows a difference in the way the holy spirit manifested itself when certain people were baptized and it is not a one size fits all it, it is not just the the same for every single person and it and even in these specific moments when it seemed like this big huge show it was in moments that were very pivotal when it came to the direction of early Christianity. It's important to note what was going on, what was happening, and how just simply them audibly speaking in tongues formed the direction of the early church to the point if they did not, if Cornelius and his household did not speak in tongues, Peter would not have baptized them. To the point, even when Peter went back, the other Jews were mad that they got water baptized. And Peter had to explain himself that they were speaking in tongues first. That they got baptized in the Holy Spirit before we could even water baptize. Who am I to stand in the way of God? So if they did not, if God didn't manifest himself with, that kind of, with the Holy Spirit like that, 
the, the early church wouldn't have known any direction. It's important to understand that because a lot of doctrines and denominations have pulled out universal ideas about the baptism of the Holy Spirit without taking into context what was happening at that moment. And we've made a one-size-fits-all. I don't know how many people that have approached me telling me that they believe in speaking in tongues, but they're so confused, they feel like they don't, they're not even saved, that they don't even have the Holy Spirit because they don't speak in tongues. And it's because we've perpetuated a theology that is not, uh, that is not, uh, <laughs> that is not foolproof. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Now, now that we understand two big things, I, I want us, the reason we're talking about this is because the Holy Spirit should not be ignored. The baptism of the Holy Spirit shouldn't be brushed over. It's an important aspect of our faith that we should look at. And I want us to understand that it's a necessity to our life where we see, I just showed y'all major parts of scripture to where it was pivotal in, in people's uh, beliefs. Y'all follow? Now, let's go into the next point, which is, over, uh, which is a powerful purpose. Let's kind of break down the Holy Spirit and its purpose for us in this world. I think in all, I see the Holy Spirit as the connecting force between earth and heaven. The Holy Spirit is the connecting force between uh, earth and heaven. And you can personalize it. It's the connecting force between you and heaven. Jesus sits on the throne, and his Holy Spirit is what connects us to him. He is physically sitting on the throne in heaven. And there's a day where he'll physically come back to earth. The Holy Spirit is what is connecting us. Everything that we feel in this world is from the Holy Spirit. We, we, we label it as Jesus, and that is okay, um, but it is actually the Holy Spirit. And so let's break down some details for the Holy Spirit. I wanted to just simply list um, so that you guys can have the scriptures to attach to it. We have, I have a lot more scripture today, and so I just put these references on the screen. But the Holy Spirit produces many good works in our lives. It teaches us and reminds us of spiritual truths, wisdom, and revelation. It's like those moments where you, you don't even know how you remember a certain scripture when you need it, but it just comes to memory. It, you, most messages that we've listened to, most preachings that we've listened to, you, you forget it. You forget what actually was said by the time you go to lunch. I don't know how many times I'd go to lunch with people afterwards. Like, how'd you like the message today? Like, oh, it was good. Um, what did we talk about again? <laughs> it, but then in the moment that you need it, it just comes to fruition. It just comes to your mind. And it's like it was just stored away in your heart. The Holy Spirit reminded you. The Holy Spirit brings conviction of right and wrong, in special, especially in moments of confusion. Times where you feel confused, you have this decision to make, and you really don't know if what's right or wrong, and the Holy Spirit guides you. And just kind of, you feel that leaning towards a certain direction or a certain answer, and that's the Holy Spirit leading you of what's right and wrong. It embodies God's presence, and thus it provides that presence to us. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. God's presence, when we pray for that, it lives within us. It's activated already. It gives sovereign direction and guidance. We can ask God for direction, ask Him for His guidance, and the Holy Spirit will give us those leadings. It produces spiritual gifts and fruits and attributes such as wisdom, goodness, endurance, power, 
Things like patience. The Holy Spirit helps us in those areas that we are weak. It, and it gives this resurrecting power to us. And I think that this is very multi-platform because not only does it give that, that spiritual resurrecting power, but even in this world, it gives just these resurrecting moments to where when we feel incredibly defeated in whatever situation we're going through, the Spirit is so encouraging that you feel like you get a second wind. I don't know how many moments people would need counsel. They feel like they're going to give up. Suicidal thoughts, extreme depression, uh, discouragement. And just through time of prayer, they feel re-encouraged. They feel life again in them. They feel revived. It's that resurrecting power of Christ that is through the Holy Spirit. In all, the Holy Spirit is very simple in the fact that it does two big things. It brings heaven to earth in incredibly spiritual and powerful ways, both personally, situationally, and on a grand scale. Simply, it is what produces miracles. A miracle is a moment where heaven comes to earth and it, 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 over, it supersedes earthly things. And, and that, that miracle moment is truly what the Holy Spirit does. It connects the forces. And then the other thing that it does, which is just as important when everything that it does, it points to Jesus and closeness to him. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. In fact, we're about to read a scripture where, where it says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always will lead us to Jesus Christ. And so anytime you feel like something is happening and you feel like it's leading you away from Jesus, away from God, that's not of the Holy Spirit. I would go as far to say that, uh, that even spiritual sounding ideas that lead us to think that works, good works, earn us uh, better salvation, it, that is antichrist. Uh, it's, it's like what I was sharing earlier. I, I fully believe that water baptism is an important sacrament of our faith and often goes neglected. But as I was sharing earlier, people that came to my door that were trying to convert me to whatever uh, an, uh, type of Christianity that they were, they were projecting this idea that if you're not water baptized, that you can believe in Jesus but not be saved. And what I was portraying to them is that you, if you believe like that, or maybe you, believe, you start following the, the trail of, uh, well, I believe that we, sh that we need to do Passover. We, need, uh, uh, we still need to be circumcised. We should still practice these, these Jewish customs to better our faith. It's one thing to, to further your knowledge or like you want to increase some type of self-discipline just to better yourself in some way. But once you start making it uh, a requirement of faith, I believe it's antichrist, even if it sounds like a spiritually good thing. Because even if you were to say water baptism is a requirement of salvation, that is a work. It is a work that is performed. And the Holy Spirit always leads to Jesus. But if we start leading to our works, then we start having the idea that we're earning our salvation. And I think it's incredibly flawed, that belief system, because I even told these people, Say I were to be 100%, you know what, you're right, I repent of my Christianity, I convert you to yours, let's go get water baptized right now anew. And if we were across the street to go to some apartment pool, and I got hit by a car and died, even though I was on my way, I would, I would still go to H-E double hockey stick under that kind of system. Because I didn't get to do my work yet. 
And it, it's just, it, I want us to really grasp that all of our hope, all of our hope is in Jesus and the Holy Spirit points to that. Now, let's go into our last point. I, I was really trying to speak fast during this message because I usually have three pages of notes and, and today I have five. <laughs> And so I was like, they're going to literally walk out on me if I don't hurry up. <laughs> so our last point is this. Available and willing. Available and willing. God is not withholding his spirit from you. God is not withholding his spirit from you. Let me share you some verses. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not utterly reject prophecies, but examine everything, holding firmly to that which is good, and abstain from every form of evil. The, the part I want to emphasize here is that it says, Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Another version says, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not hinder the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecy. What, the reason I wanted to share this verse is because I'll be the first one to say, when, when I first heard speaking in tongues, I was like, these people are mad. They're crazy. And I remember the moment that the, I, I, would, I would always go up to the altar at church, not because I always you know, did something bad over the weekend and I needed prayer. No, I just would always go up because I had this mentality, anything of Jesus I want to get. So pray for me. Go ahead. Do it. I'm all in. I'm not scared. <laughs> and I remember this day that I went up to the altar and this lady started praying over for, I didn't even know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. I didn't know what speaking in tongues was. And she was just praying over me and she was just yelling at me in tongues. I'm talking about some serious tongues like, ah, ba ba ba, retie my bow tie. I bought a Honda, but I should have bought a Chevy. Like some like intense stuff. And I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm good. And I just remember, I just started smiling because I was like, like, I didn't want to be rude. <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to enjoy Jesus right now and ignore you. And when I went home that night, I remember just feeling moved in my heart, thinking, is this legit? Is this real? Why were they doing that? And I, I truly didn't fully understand what, what it was, the different aspects of it, why, anything like that. But I, I remember just thinking, God, if this is something that will bring me closer to you, then I want it. It was a simple, simple thing. I said, I'm ignorant. But if it will bring me closer to you, then I want it. And there, that night, I just got on my knees and I started praying. Because I didn't want to stifle the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to hinder uh, the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to scoff at prophecy. I didn't want to be one that was sooner to ridicule and jeer saying they're just drunk. I didn't want to ridicule the possible work of the Holy Spirit. And I felt this, this thing within me saying, well, what if it is something real? And I just pray, God, if that's, if that's the legit, then I really want it. I don't understand it all. And I got on my knees and I prayed, God, let me fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized. And I felt like just this kind of like nudge in my heart saying, why don't you just start trying? And I was like, that's kind of a step of faith. Like, <laughs> and, and I remember just feeling embarrassed to even attempt this thing, 
even though I was alone in my room and no one could hear me. And I felt embarrassed. And I just was like, well, that lady said, ah, bah, bah, let me try that. <laughs> and I said, ah, bah, bah. And right when I said that, it was like, I, I felt just this, this really, and I, I'm not trying to sound like I'm pulling from scripture. I really did feel this rush in my soul, this joy. I felt an extreme tangible difference. And I was like, holy cow, ah, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> and in that moment, I, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't need the special introduction. I didn't need um, someone that I thought was holy to pray for me. It was just something so simple. I desired it. I asked for it, and I received it. And the troubling thing is that I, I love how God would reach me as some snot-nosed kid that just barely stopped smoking weed and, and all of a sudden is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the more that I would go to churches, I'd feel more confused about the Holy Spirit. Because of these absolute statements like, well, if, uh, if you don't speak in the Spirit, then you're, you actually have the Antichrist Spirit. I remember hearing stuff like that. I remember going somewhere and I thought that I had a false tongue. I, I was like, oh my, they put it on the screen. A false tongue that's not really speaking in tongues it's, and it's the Antichrist spirit. I was like, oh, I have the devil inside of me. <laughs> and I remember I was praying for God to expel this demonic force within me. And I accidentally started speaking in tongues. <laughs> I was just so used to it. I was like, oh my, there I go again. God, I'm so unholy. I, don't even, I can't even control it now. And see, so many people go through that confusion, that unnecessary heartache, and doubting their own salvation, doubting their own Holy Spirit work in their life because of how confusing we have made this topic of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me go on. It says in Joel chapter 2, it says, It will come about after this, I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams. Your young men will see visions. And even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. He's making an inclusive stretch with this Holy Spirit. He's saying no longer just the Levites, no longer even just the Jews, and not just the men, but everybody will have my spirit. I'm extending myself to all. Look at this other verse. It says, in 1 Corinthians, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. This is such a great verse uh, that I, I use. I, I would use this verse all the time whenever I was doing, uh, act, literally casting a demon out of someone. It, I, I remember the first moment I cast out a demon, I was surprised. I was like, what the heck just happened? This is insane. And then whenever I was like praying for someone, I would like need a check to see if there's like a secret demon in there. I'll just say, say Jesus is Lord. And it is, it sounds ridiculous, but there'd be moments that people literally could not say it. I remember I was leading someone to salvation and I said, now say Jesus is Lord. And they started doing this. I was like, what the frick? I was like, okay, like I'll talk to you later then. <laughs> I'm saying this, this verse is so powerful because that is, how it, that is how accessible the Holy Spirit is. And that when there's anything within us trying to stop the Holy Spirit from moving, just saying Jesus is Lord is, is like the simplest action. Now, these, the reason I want to share these verses is because these verses exemplify that the Holy Spirit is intended for all believers and is not complicated to receive. 
It's God's intention. And so it's not a complicated process. It also shows that we should strive to believe in the supernatural and miraculous and spiritual prophetic work of the Holy Spirit while holding everything to the light and truth of Scripture. That verse that said, do not scoff at prophecy, we should, we should really do our best to not scoff at miraculous moments. We should hold everything to the light and truth of Scripture. I, I mean, I haven't seen it all, but I'll say that when you think about miracles, we only think of these like big moments. I remember praying for a goldfish to resurrect from the dead. And my mom sending me a picture of this dead goldfish saying, Goldie is sick. Can you pray for him? And I remember I was like, whatever, dude. I prayed for that goldfish. She sent me a picture the next day, and it was swimming around. I was like, praise God. (laughs) There's nothing too small for my God. (laughs) What I'm getting at is that even things that at first glance sound dumb, we should just hold those things to Scripture, hold them to the truth of God. And if it's not conflicting with Scripture, we we should really be more optimistic instead of pessimistic. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And now let me share some more verses with you. It says, Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for edification and exhortation and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but rather that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edification. For I pray, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. The reason I wanted to share this verse is because it really helps break down and unpack what this idea of speaking in tongues is. This passage shows us that we should focus one on love above all else. The very first part of that verse said, pursue love. Yet earnestly desire these gifts. This is right after Paul, and this is chapter 14 we're reading, and chapter 13, he gives this whole exhortation how love is the greatest. That if he spoke in the greatest prophetic message ever, did not have love, he'd be worthless. So he says love is something that we all can bear and all pursue. Yet we should still desire uh, these spiritual gifts as well. And Why? Because these spiritual gifts edify oneself or it edifies others. This passage gives really good elaboration on what speaking in tongues is. First, it shows that it is not talking about another earthly language. It's not talking about another earthly language here in this passage. Because some people believe that speaking in tongues, which is referenced in the Bible, is only talking about one side of that Pentecost where they were talking in other languages that other people could understand. But here it says, for the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, meaning it's not in another language, but to God. For no one understands. It says no one understands that tongue. There's not an earthly language for it to be understood. In his spirit, he speaks mysteries, meaning that it's not something to be understood. 
It's something the Holy Spirit is praying within you. That's a mysterious thing that doesn't edify your mind, but edifies your faith. It also shows that the purpose of speaking in tongues is for edifying one's own faith, while other giftings are for edifying others. That's why he says, I wish that you would prophesy instead of speak with tongues, because then you could edify other people. You can edify more people because speaking in tongues only edifies oneself. Y'all follow me? And it also shows that Paul in no way writes off speaking in tongues. People have used these verses and say, well, we shouldn't even think about speaking in tongues. We should just all pursue other gifts instead. He says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, which means if he's saying, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, one, that's beneficial to oneself. It's edifying to oneself. And it also means that there were people, <gasps> gasp, that didn't speak in tongues. Why would he say, I wish that you all did? Meaning that every one of you would benefit with it from it. But it infers that some people did not speak in tongues. Yet they were in the church. Yet they were saved. They, they may have had other spiritual giftings. Y'all see what I'm saying? And finally, he concludes with portraying a balance in the use of tongues. Some people say, well, uh, because of these verses, you should never pray in tongues at church ever. At this church, they were so confused about the whole thing that they would give the entire message in tongues. They, they were literally... Sing all the, the whole worship time, tongue, speaking in tongues. That would be just crazy. That would be confusing. And he's saying, look, just chill out. Okay, we, need to, we speak in a language that we can understand so we can edify each other. Speaking in tongues is just for you. You don't, don't do the whole service speaking in tongues. But what is his outcome? He didn't say abandon it altogether. He says, what's the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. He's not saying that we have to hide from it. But he says, you could just do both. Just chill out a little bit. Y'all feel that? Now look what else it says. It says, now you are Christ's body and individually parts of it. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. Are all not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And yet, I'm going to show you a far better way. And that's where he goes into 1 Corinthians 13, where he talks all about love. Where he says, if you don't even know what a spiritual gift is, pursue love. It's better than every spiritual gift you can have. But this passage, it infers that there were believers who did not speak in tongues, as well as a diversity among believers in the ability to minister. It means that there's people that had prophetic giftings, gifts of miracles. It, it means that we, we as a church have giftings within us that can be used for the church. And the, the, it also infers that you can ask God for specific giftings and that he is able to give them to you. Meaning that if you desire the gift of speaking in tongues or the gift of prophecy, you can ask God for it. He says, earnestly desire these gifts. Earnestly desire gifts, meaning you can ask God if it's something you really want to experience. And if, you, if for some reason it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean that you don't have the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that God's forgotten you, but perhaps he has something else for you. It is not a universal seal Y'all feel what I'm saying? 
And if and God is in his infinite wisdom, he has infinite love for you. If you were to not speak in tongues or to not prophesy, not to do any of these other things, it is not a sign of him not loving you or him neglecting you, but his wisdom is infinitely greater. And for whatever reason, he's given us what we have. And in the future, we may have something else. But it just simply says, earnestly desire these gifts, these different gifts. And all of this, Paul's transition to chapter 13 is a conclusion saying that love is more beneficial than any supernatural gifting and should be desired and pursued above all else. That chapter, I encourage everyone to read it because it, it shows how every spiritual gifting is subpar compared to the love, compared to love. We all have this natural ability Meaning that we don't need supernatural help. We all have this ability within us to love, to show the love of God to somebody. And Paul says just passionately how even if he spoke in every tongue, in any tongue, it'd be worthless without God, without love. If he, did, uh, if he performed the greatest miracles, it'd be nothing. He says, if I gave the most amazing message, I'd just be a noisy, a noisy gong. I'd just be this noisy thing if I did ha not have love. So with all that being said, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. Love is the greatest. And the Holy Spirit's gift to us, the, the whole being of the Holy Spirit here, filling us, connecting us from, to heaven and earth, that is God's love to you. And it is followed by the greatest act of love, which is Jesus on the cross. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, so that we may not perish, but have eternal life through him. So all of that being said, getting all, getting all of the, the doctrines and theologies aside, and looking at love being the most important thing, if you're here and you need to, to receive that love of God for the very first time, that love displayed on the cross through Jesus Christ, and you need to just accept that love for the very first time, and you haven't had a moment where you have done that before, and you want to trust in Him. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. Amen. So just right where you're at, I want you to start talking to Jesus. Just start talking to Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God that died on the cross and rose from the dead for the sins of the world, it, that surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is if you have an authentic heart, a genuine heart that just simply wants to trust in Jesus, all it takes is starting a conversation with him. You don't need me or anybody else to lead you through a, a pretty prayer. You can just talk to him out of your heart and say, Jesus, I believe. And I feel like I've never really felt this kind of love that's been talked about today. And I want to know what that is. Can you show me what that is? Walk with me. Help me to understand. Now, if you're also here and maybe... 
you have on your heart this almost like this this nudging that you want you 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 want the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe you don't even know if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you have it or not, and you're just like, God, let me just feel this confirmation within myself. We're gonna have a time of worship, and during that time of worship, I want you to just ask God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. You don't need me to do this a special prayer. You can ask him right where you're at. God, can you please fill me with the Holy Spirit? I want to be closer to you. I may understand it. I may not. But I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you can either say it where you're at where, while we go through worship or during worship, you can come up to the front and I'll pray for you. Whether you want to be prayed for, for the Holy Spirit or for anything else, you can come up to the front for prayer. But we're going to go into a time of worship. And before we do, we're going to sign off online. Thank you guys for being a part. We love you. Have a good rest of your life. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.